0: one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. There you are, Jesus, sleeping in the boat. I don't want to wake him. I want to feel faithful enough to let him get some rest. But silently, with the disciples, My heart is grumbling. Do you not care that we are perishing as I watch the waves churn around us?" Earlier in the week on Wednesday, the United Nations General Assembly led the celebration of World Refugee Day, a day which commemorates the strength and courage and perseverance of millions of refugees. I'm a visual learner. I watch and I listen generally waiting until I have seen what I have seen before I act. I didn't need YouTube and streaming news to see what I could see. I could see in my mind's eye all of the rickety, under-equipped boats guiding fervently from the shores of oppression, people who led ordinary lives before coming and being displaced, and their biggest dream to live normally again. I could hear the hungry cries of the children inside the boats. I could see the adults packed in together like sardines by unscrupulous traffickers out to make money from the affliction of others. I can still see them now. Hey, how can you be sleeping at a time like this, I wonder? Hey, Jesus... Don't you care if we are all perishing by our own hand? I mumble in prayer, but not loudly enough to wake him. And then my mind starts to wander further, and I think about the mass shootings at a Christian church in Texas this year, an Islamic center in Quebec City, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, in 2015, Overland Park Jewish Community Center in Kansas City in 2014, and a Sikh temple in Milwaukee in 2012. And even in my shock and sadness, I remember right away that the boat is a common metaphor for the church, that the nave that we're sitting in is Latin for ship, And I can see in all these places my faithful sisters and brothers gathered with God in churches and synagogues and temples listening to the teachings, just floating along and trying to get to the other side, to the side of faithful life and faithful practice, and they can hear the distant rumble just like the disciples of the thunder of racism the storm of hatred that circled around them every day, how well they know the waters they navigate are dangerous ones, waters that could indeed turn deadly in an instant. But they all, we all, invite God in. Specifically, we invite Jesus into our boat with us, just like we invite each of our guests who come to be with us. We say, come in. Join us on the journey, friends. The church welcomes you, we offer. Well, I'll tell you, I've read too much this week. I've read too much news. I've seen too much. I've heard too much about those who are out in the middle of the sea of life, far from the safety of any shore, with a bank of gray clouds forming around them, My sisters and my brothers at each other's throats over who is right and who is wrong. Who is displaying love and who is displaying hate? Who cares and who doesn't care? There is a storm upon us in all of its destructive force. The winds are howling and it seems to be that our boat is sinking precariously under the waves. And there in the back pew... Our beloved Jesus is asleep. Asleep amidst the cries of anguish, the pushing, the shoving, the name-calling, the hashtags, the memes. Seriously, God? This time it's too much for me. Wake up, Jesus. Wake up. I scream over the winds. Do you not care that we are perishing? You, Jesus, are supposed to calm the storm. You, Jesus, are supposed to save the disciples in the boat. You're supposed to bring peace. Not me. Wake up, man. And I'd like to make the sermon all about God. I'd like to be really indignant about all the storms that plague us. I'd like to kick the can right back to heaven and say, you know what, it's in your court, buddy, it's not mine. I'd like to turn to God and to shake God with my words until some sense drops down into my trembling hands. That's what Job does, right? After unspeakable suffering has crushed his body and soul, that's what he does. He finally cries out to God, wake up, God! And in our first lesson, we finally hear God come to. And when God comes to, God comes to in a whirlwind. But God comes full of questions rather than answers. God's rush of unanswerable questions about the mysteries of heaven is not meant to crush Job. It's meant to to encourage him, to encourage him to believe in a creator of the universe that can construct new possibilities from everything that did not exist, where we cannot even fathom what a God can do, even in the most horrible suffering. How difficult it is to have faith in new possibilities when everything seems so impossible. When refugees drown and the earth sinks under its own filth and racism kills right and left, how difficult it is to hang on to Jesus' quiet, calming faith in God. That faith that allows him to sleep peacefully in that storm-tossed boat. And no matter how much I long for this divine miracle to fix all of our problems, I have to admit to myself this week, it's much easier to fall down on my face in response to sky-shattering divine action than it is to imitate Jesus' trusting faith in the hidden powers of God's love. By beating on God's door for a miracle, I'm taking the easy way out. St. Augustine of Hippo wrote a sermon in the fourth century on this very gospel story, and it draws me up short. Augustine, reading scripture as allegory, writes, Jesus, who is sleeping in the boat is the Jesus in each of our hearts. And the people sailing in the boat are the souls crossing the present age on a paltry piece of wood. We are all of us temples of God, and every one of us is sailing a boat in his or her heart. He continues, so as the wind blows and the waves break, the boat is in peril, your heart is in peril, your heart is tossed about. If you are in pain from where our world is, it's normal. Pain is normal. It's a response to disappointment. He says, by giving way to someone else, you suffer shipwreck. And why is that? Because Christ is asleep in you. And what does that mean? For Christ to be asleep. It means that we have forgotten the power of God. So wake Christ up, Augustine says. Remember Christ. Let Christ stay awake in you. Think about him. And I have to ask myself, is Jesus asleep in my boat? Is Jesus asleep in my soul? I mean, I wonder, like the disciples, I've invited him in. I've made him comfortable. I've asked him to travel with me, and I've been glad for that. When I've invited Jesus in and he has been with me during times of peril, and I've entered the dangerous seas and I have assumed easy protection, but I wonder if I have bored him to sleep because of lack of attention. I have to wonder, is my inner life so carefully protected that he has no choice but to slumber? When did I quit talking to God first? When did I quit listening to God first? When did I turn to everything else for my support? And I has prayed this week, and as I pondered the story of the sleeping Christ, I understood suddenly why I was afraid to wake Jesus in the boat, it isn't that I want to let him rest. It's because I know if I wake him, he's going to want something from me. He's going to expect me to change, me to change. He's going to expect me to act, and I'll have to be a part of the transformation in the world that I believe God is calling us to be. Do you remember the school shooting on October 2nd in 2006 at the West Nickel Mines Amish School? It's just outside of Lancaster City in Pennsylvania, and the shooting was reported on local television stations and it was soon picked up all around national media and reporters and photographers and video crews they invaded this very very small rural countryside to report this story around the world and while the Amish community strives to avoid publicity this tragic event thrust their entire community in front of a worldwide audience And the horror of this school shooting was the story the reporters came to tell about. But in the hours and days following the shooting, another story developed that caught the world's attention, the story of the Amish grace and forgiveness. The day after the shooting, 1,600 gathered for a prayer service at a local church, while hundreds met around the country in other churches for prayer. Because prayer is action. In the families of those murdered babies, they were certainly not afraid to wake Jesus in their souls. And crushed and crying and half-dead themselves with grief, they cried to Jesus, Wake up! Do you not care that we are perishing? And he rose in their hearts. And he said, peace, be still. And filled with the strength of Almighty God, in the midst of their grief over their shocking loss, the Amish community didn't cast blame. They didn't point fingers. They didn't choose sides. They didn't say they were good and the rest of the world was evil. They didn't hold a press conference. They didn't have attorneys. Instead, they reached out with grace and compassion toward the killer's family. They asked God for mercy on his soul. They let God replace hatred with love. And they showed us all what it looks like when we live out the teachings of the Lord in our lives, what it looks like when we are brave enough to imitate Jesus. And in a world at war and in a society that often points fingers and blames others, this reaction was unheard of. They showed us the possibilities that arise even out of horrible suffering when we trust in the power of love rather than the power of violence to make all things new. St. Paul knew that a Christian life is no charm against suffering. He tells us in today's epistle that we are in for afflictions, hardship, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger when we let Jesus in the boat with us. But Paul, like Augustine, also knows that the real miracle of peace takes place without fanfare. When we open up the tenderness of our hearts to God and to one another, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished. And yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. Before suffering can be transformed, we need to dare to wake up Jesus, not to find out if he loves us, but to ask him to transform our hearts.